Okay, from this side over here, who's somebody that's not from town again? Tell me. Give me a dirt. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Right there. You have that. That's a nice little air horn for you. How about here in the center? Up there. That's a bear bell. How about somebody over here? Who we got right there? All right. That's some pepper spray. Now, let me tell you the story. We've got... Uh, now, please don't use that on your neighbor anytime during the morning. But uh, I went up to Yellowstone not too long ago, and the ranger there gave a class on bear detention deterrence. And uh, they, they said, well, maybe you could take an air horn, maybe you could use a bear bell. You wear those, walk around, and they alert the bears. Or worst case, you could use some spray. And then, of course, we went out into the woods, did a little bit of walking around. And the ranger said, what we should do is investigate the scat of the animals around us, because it tells a lot about what they do. So we walked up and found a place where the wolves had been and pulled apart some of that, and there were you know, small bones from rodents and some tufts of fur from the rabbits. Then we walked along a little bit further, came to some black bear scat, and there was some berries that had showed. You could tell they had eaten some berries, some small fish. Then we came to some grizzly bear scat. He said that, no doubt, is grizzly bear. In the scat was a bear bell, pepper spray, and an air horn. So, I mean, you know, I figure I can give those away because I'm not going to need them. Thankfully, there's no grizzlies in Summit County, so that's good news, and uh, welcome. Now, you say, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Sometimes, what's obvious and what would seem like would be on the surface is not always there. Sometimes, there's more information to be gathered. Today, we're going to gather a little bit of information that I hope you can walk away from here with a new sense, a new awareness of kind of what has happened in the journey of the winds of change of the Holy Spirit? If you walk away with nothing else but this, I would love for you to realize this. Understanding of the Holy Spirit has unfolded for thousands of years. Understanding the Holy Spirit has literally unfolded for thousands of years. If you would have asked Moses... This is a nice little mental hook. 1,450 years before Jesus was Moses, 1,450 after was Gutenberg. It's a nice little hook point. But 1,450 years before Jesus, if you would have asked Moses to describe the Holy Spirit, do you think that he would have been able to come to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit was part of a trinity with three separate beings, and there were one, but they were three, and there was some kind of a relationship interplay between them? I doubt it. I don't know that anybody in the Old Testament, if you walk along, start back at, at Noah, start with Abraham, look at uh, anybody, Moses, go through to David, go to any of them. Do you believe that they would have come up with the conclusion of a Holy Spirit as a separate being or an entity or a, I'm not sure that they would have done that. I, I, in fact, there's no evidence that they would have. Moses clearly saw God. He did not describe him as a three. He didn't. Then we come along to the passages we're going to look at today. Isaiah, that's about 750 years later. So about split the difference between Moses and Jesus. And what would Isaiah have said? Isaiah describes an amazing experience where he saw God in God's throne room. Did Isaiah come away with the description of a trinity of a three? 
No, he did not. Now, I know I'm kind of putting some, some questioning out there for some of you. You'd go, wait a second, what does that mean? Is it something that's made up? I do not believe so. I believe that one of the wonderful, respectful, honoring, gracious, patient things about our loving God is that he slowly unfolds himself to us. He doesn't just knock us upside of the head and say, here's how it's going to be. He, as Jim has been talking to us for a couple of weeks, he doesn't treat us like the other gods treated people. He doesn't treat us that way. He treats us with honor, with grace. It's an amazing thing. If you look across the lake right now, if you're in a position, you look across, there's a couple of mountains right over there to your right. There's a big bulby one with a, a crater out of the center. That one is 12,777 feet. If you look at the pointy one that's behind it, that from here looks like it's the same height, it's almost 600 feet higher than that round one. Wouldn't dawn on you from the initial view but when you get up with a different perspective and with some time that it takes to get that different perspective, you say, oh, so you walk to the top of Ptarmigan Mountain over here, that's 12,500 feet, you can tell instantly which is the tallest mountain. And God has been teaching us, unfolding to us what his spirit is about. We're actually going to look at a passage today that even gives us some information about his son which they couldn't have described him either in the Old Testament. They were understanding some pieces, but they were listening. They were trusting along the journey to find out who God is. If you have a nice electronic version of the Bible or brought one in paper, God bless you. That's amazing. Those are probably going away. We'll, we'll be giving those away after a while because nobody will touch them. Turn to Isaiah chapter 11. We're going to start in Isaiah 11 today. If you don't have it with, that's fine. I'll read you where we're going. 11 chapter 1 says this, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. We know from a lot of the study, this is now talking about the Messiah, who is going to be revealed as Jesus 750 years later, okay? And this shoot that will bear fruit, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, verse 2. Interesting. So wait, so we have an interplay somehow going on between the Messiah and the Spirit of God. Well, that's what this is going to describe to us. Look at what this says. These next few verses are amazing. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now, how would that interplay work? We've got counsel, we've got wisdom, but we've also got a posture of fear of the Lord. Look at these three things. It, there's wisdom and understanding. Immediately, the Spirit gives wisdom, gives the capacity to see more than what is on the surface, to bring more to the equation. Next, the Spirit of counsel and of power. So now this goes beyond just knowledge that is stuck in the head to I've got something to do with it that can affect change. It can make a difference. It, has, it brings impact in some way. And last, 
the spirit of knowledge of the fear of the Lord. This is a posture of recognizing God's preeminence. Hmm. So what we're saying is, according to just a couple of verses from Isaiah, not long after he had his vision of the Lord, he says, a Messiah is going to come, a stump that will bear fruit, that will bring life and energy to our people. And it will, that person will have wisdom and, and understanding and also the ability to apply that and do something with it. And also to build a posture of understanding the correct awe and fear of God. And that's brought through the Spirit. Now, I promise you, just stop and think with me for a minute. Put yourself in Isaiah's sandals for a second. He's writing this stuff down. It's hundreds of years before it's going to be fulfilled. It's hundreds of years after David. And he's trying to scratch his head and go, I wonder what God's doing here. And God, instead of being impatient with Isaiah or disappointed in Isaiah, says, just keep talking, bud. Just keep talking. He will delight, verse 3, in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, he'll judge the needy, and with justice, he'll give decisions for the poor of the earth. Do you hear the social element of justice that was going to come forth? Now, I'm going to ask you this question right here, and we're going to come back to it again in a minute. When and how did this justice come forth? When and how? We're going to come back to that because it's worth a consideration. If God is slowly unfolding himself to us, does this happen in Isaiah's day? He will judge with his eyes and not by just what he sees and what he hears, but he'll judge with a greater sense of awareness is what this says. With righteousness, he'll judge the needy. Don't you wish we had somebody who could judge the poor with righteousness right now? That sounds like a, a wonderful idea. He'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. The breath of his lips, he'll slay the wicked. So in other words, he's not just nice to everybody. If you understand the Holy Spirit as bringing just a, a constant sense of, oh, we're all just wonderful and there's rainbows and unicorns and fairies and wonderful butterflies all the time, that is not the Spirit of God. Righteousness will be his belt. Paul grabs that, actually the whole armor of God later in Ephesians, and he grabs pieces from Isaiah, and he, the belt of righteousness is one of the pieces. Faithfulness. The sash will be around his waist. Then he goes through all of these, these pictures, these images. The wolf, who would typically eat the lamb and rabbits and other small rodents, as we talked about earlier, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will be with the goat. The calf and the lion will have yearlings together. A little child will be in there. A cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play with the, near the hole of a cobra. <laughs> wow. A young child will put his hand into the nest of the viper, and they will neither have harm nor destroy anything on the holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Doesn't that sound spectacular? Again, when and how does this come to be? When and how? Does God just, in a sweeping motion, 
resolve and bring all these things to bear to where all these animals are happy with each other? Well, we're going to find out a little bit about that. I hope as if you're able to come through the summer, you'll hear how the Holy Spirit is going to move and there's still specific things that need to be done along the history of time and some of them are a final completion. It sounds really, really good right now. We have not seen it yet. We have not. If you're also in Isaiah there and you want to turn with me, go to chapter 32. I can hardly see with these on. (laughs) Verse 9 of chapter 32. He talks here about specifically people in Jerusalem, his, his nation, his tribe. You women who are so complacent, rise up and listen to me. Daughters who feel so secure and hear what I have to say. In a little more than a year, you'll feel secure. You who feel secure will tremble. The grape harvest will fail. Tremble, you complacent women. Shudder, you daughters who feel secure. Interestingly, the Hebrew root word for these is all the same. So this would sound almost these words, complacency, secure, feeling like you're comfortable, you're fine, you're happy. They all sound very much alike in Hebrew. And so this would have even sounded like, uh, you know, it's a repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. You think you're doing fine, basically. But he says eventually... You'll have to mourn for the houses of merriment. The fortress will be abandoned in verse 14. The noisy city will be deserted, and there will be a wasteland forever. And the delight of your donkeys will not have, they won't have a place to eat until the Spirit is poured out on us from on high. There's another little thing that he's revealing forward. Again, the picture's bleak. He says, you're, you're sitting around, you're complacent, you're happy, but you really, there's nothing much going on right now. Just wait, there's going to be trouble. And of course, they had trouble. The Assyrians came marching in, the Babylonians came over the hill, and they had deep trouble. Ladies and gentlemen, if we think for a minute, please hear with me on this, on the gospel. If we think the gospel was somehow designed to give us this wonderful life where everything just goes fine forever... We're not listening to the scripture as God has unfolded himself, his son, and his spirit to us. We're not paying attention. We're not listening. Because there's always this contrast. Things are really tough. There's hope for the future. There will be a completion When we pour out the spirit from on high, then the desert becomes a fertile field. The fertile field is like a forest. The justice will dwell in the righteousness in the desert, excuse me, and righteousness will live in the fertile field. We keep hearing justice is going to happen. Righteousness will come. The completion will actually occur. The fruit of righteousness will actually be peace. Not only will justice and that sense of righteousness and rightness be true, but peace will accompany it. Now, I wonder this. Can we have and experience some of these things before the final completion? Can you right now today, whatever your circumstances are, now, right now, they're pretty darn good. Okay, let's just admit it. Right now, you're sitting there, you're maybe, you know, you got a water bottle next to you, you're all fine, you had breakfast, you're looking at this lake, the circumstances could hardly be better. 
but you all know with me that there are plenty of other times in the course of our life when it is not like this. Can we still experience justice, righteousness, and peace from the Holy Spirit even when the circumstances aren't as great as this? Let's keep reading. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, undisturbed places. And though hail flattens everything and the city is leveled, how blessed you will be. Did you hear that? Though everything is flattened, how blessed you will be. One more passage. Go to Isaiah 44. We will not spend a ton of time here, but if you're looking through. Now, again, the importance of hearing all of these passages is not because we forgot anything. It's because there's some different perspectives that come along, and Isaiah keeps repeating. There's never a non-reason for that repetitiveness. It's because he got that information and knew, you need to keep hearing this. You need to keep hearing this. Isaiah 44, 1, now listen, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He made you, he formed you, he'll help you. Don't be afraid because I have chosen you. I'll pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. The spirit will be poured out like fresh water, like he talked about before, like we'll get to some amazing passages in the book of Ezekiel where he repeats this concept. You need to hear this. You have not been paying attention. Now pay attention. They'll spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. One will say, I belong to the Lord, and he'll, another will call himself by the name of Jacob. It will be so amazing that they will start to identify themselves with God because of the life that they experience. Now, I've been asking you all along to consider, first of all, that the Holy Spirit unveils himself to us across the journey of Scripture. God has shown us about his Messiah but these winds, the breeze that you feel right now, it was one of the great illustrations that Jesus used to describe. It's not always a hurricane. It's often very subtle and gentle. Very subtle. Now I'm going to take you back to circumstances. We have all these promises that say we can expect these Wonderful scenarios, justice, righteousness, peace, hope, joy, confidence. This passage, these passages added up through Isaiah give us a glimpse that we can expect those things. In the meantime, because we all know this is not a, a perfect world right now, in the meantime, how do you access those things? Can the Holy Spirit bring that to you now? I sure hope that you believe that he can. I sure hope that. And I hope that you realize that this journey with the Holy Spirit, the wind of change often is when everything around is flattened by hail, as the one verse says, you still can experience a sense of justice, 
you still can trust and experience peace. And how we do that is to acknowledge God's final picture of what's all going to happen. And, and go to the Holy Spirit in the middle of the difficult circumstances and say, I will trust you. I will, as the very end of this chapter 44 says, I will identify myself with you. I will say, I can lean into God. I can believe the one true living God of Israel, the one true living God of Christ and of Christianity. I can believe that what he says is true. It's accessed first by faith, and then it is a posture. You may recognize some postures. You've seen some people that have this posture. Just recently, and I, I did some research, and I couldn't find out if the, the uh, source of this for this young woman is God. I do not know this. I, don't, I can't say yes or no. But many of you have heard the story of Amy Van Dyken recently, who had a, a severing of her spine and has been on the news on a regular basis. And she has something that regardless of whether she's accessed this directly aware of it from God or not, she has something that is woven into us, which is a sense of honor and respect for courage. If you literally walk around in your circumstances and believe that just waiting for the circumstances to change will give you access to the Holy Spirit, you're, you're missing the point. Courage, faith, gives the potential for courage. This young woman has said, you know, I, I love this phrase. She said it just the other day. A bunch of other people are asking all the what ifs. What if I wouldn't have gotten on that ATV? What if we wouldn't have gone to dinner that night? What if we were in a different state? What if, what if, what if, what if? She says, I don't even have five minutes for the what ifs. I just say, what is? Not what if, what is? Do you have the faith to literally lean into the Holy Spirit with the what is rather than the what if. This description that Isaiah gives as God is unfolding himself to us, as the Holy Spirit is unfolding to us, this description says, by faith, we can choose to identify with, lean into and believe, and actually have the strength to have peace, to experience righteousness, rightness in the world. The world is truly right, even when it's broken. To experience hope, to experience and, and give love, to experience joy, that is accessible. The Holy Spirit is desperately wanting to give that to you. He wants to give it to me. It's an opportunity that we have that we access by faith. And the Spirit is not one who's going to come along and club us over the head, knock us out, open us up, and pour it in. That's not how it works. We choose. It's not always what's right on face value. So as you're experiencing the breeze a little bit today, ask yourself, where is my posture right now? 
The Holy Spirit is there. He's, he's ready, willing, and able to provide peace, righteousness, justice, hope, all of those things. You choose to access. You choose to access. How are you going to choose today? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the words from Isaiah. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the unfolding of the knowledge of the Holy Spirit and of your Son and of your nature that has occurred along the journey of the Scripture and of your people. And God, many of us here may even just be associated with your people because of our backstory or because of our scenario with our parents or because of a lot of other different circumstances. The Jews, plenty of them were like that, and they were getting to the place where they were kind of complacent, figuring you would take care of them just because they were your chosen people. But you still asked them to have faith, to take ownership, to engage, to believe, to trust, and uh, give us please, the insight to consider how you're unfolding yourself to us and also to consider our own faith and where we are right now. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.